0: Friends, welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I am your host, Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for joining us today. I've got a little bit of uh, just a, some hay fever. I think that uh, the pollens are going crazy here in Denver where I live. Maybe it's where, that's where it is. How it is where you are as well. Um, you know, uh, thank you for joining us uh, again. You know, this I'm going back to this format where we. Um, tell a little bit and just share a little bit with you before we get into the conversation, uh partly because I just want to tell you a little bit more about me i want to I want to connect with you in um a deeper way than we've been able to just jumping straight into the conversation if you like that um let me know let me know if you don't let me know as well um i'm doing a whole bunch of stuff right now i don't it's been almost a year since I quit my job and i've been working on this full time I think you're seeing that in a couple of ways. Number one, I've got great conversations recorded or scheduled going way into the future at this point, uh, which I love. It's really nice to have that flexibility. In fact, May uh, this month, don't don't miss any. I'm just going to tell you that. Don't miss any of these episodes because they are fantastic. Um, and I'm not saying that in a way, in like a braggadocious way. I'm just saying these are some really cool people with some great stories that uh, you're going to want to hear. So Definitely, if you haven't subscribed, go do that. Um, I'm also recently launched a Patreon for the podcast. That was interesting. Patreon is a platform where you can, um, if you're a supporter or a listener of a podcast or a creator of some sort, you can offer some financial support to to them um, on a on a semi or a monthly basis. I guess it is. And uh, if you wanted to help out with that, because there are costs with doing the show, um, you can always go to halfwaytherepodcast.com. Just like always, up in the menu, there's a support button. You can click that. I'll take you over to Patreon. And you could go ahead and uh, sign up for that. You know what? Here's the thing. I'm going to do some things like extra conversations for our, our Patreon supporters. So I actually have two already that I want to toss in there for you guys. And because um, one thing I'm... I'm interested in doing. Um, I love hearing stories from people like we do every single week here, but then I'm kind of a conversationalist. And so I love to like dig into ideas. And sometimes you'll notice that in a conversation where, um, ideas, um, um, we we kind of veer off, especially if we were talking to an author, we veer off into their ideas um, instead of their story. And I'd love to keep the podcast sort of focused on the story and then go into their ideas in a separate conversation and share that just with our Patreon supporters. Um, that's something that you'll be finding there very, very soon. So if you enjoy the show, you want to do something else, um, hey, become a Patreon supporter. The the, the uh, smallest level is 5 bucks a month. It's not a lot, um, but I'll tell you what, it would help because – um there's a lot of uh, expenses with podcasting. Um also, as you guys know, if you've been listening for a while, there's an episode about a year ago from here that where I said uh why I quit my job. So I left my job and been working on some projects in order to make uh turn into the online business world, which is exactly what I wanted. It's been a lot more difficult than I thought it would be. A lot harder, a lot more up and down. I didn't realize small business was so bipolar. It's just like some days I'm way up high and some days I'm like, ah, I don't know how I could ever do it. I think that's just kind of how it goes. Um, I think it's pretty normal, but it's been interesting. So, um, that's not really a plea. I don't want you to hear that. Um, if you do want to support us and take the time, it would mean an awful lot to me, uh, by going to halfway dot and hit that support button up at the, in the menu, um, if not, hey, don't worry about it. I will continue to serve you because I love doing it. But um, that is something that I recently set up. And then I'm working on some other podcasting stuff. And we're do- we're going to do um, a summit, a Christian podcasting summit. So I know I have a bunch of Christian podcasters that listen. Uh, if you're a Christian podcaster and you're listening to this, I would love, love, love for you to um, sign up for the Christian podcast summit. I'll throw a link uh, to that inside of the uh, show notes as well. All right. So that's probably enough about what I'm doing. I'm going to keep you updated on a weekly basis and and uh, I hope you enjoy that. Maybe we'll talk about uh, some other kinds of things as well. So, hey, this guest today is fantastic. I just want to tell you I love it. If anybody is responsible for me becoming a podcaster, there's almost no one quite as responsible as our guest today because I when I started listening to podcasts in 2014, started listening and you know EO Fire came out and there were a bunch of other business ones I was listening to John Lee Dumas and um Michael Hyatt and Pat Flynn. And they all kept talking about this one guy named Cliff Ravenscraft. And I was like, who is this Cliff Ravenscraft guy? Even um, Dan Miller, 48 Days to the Work You Love. I was listening to the, all, all these guys. And they all talked about Cliff Ravenscraft. And I finally said, I, don't, I should probably just listen to the podcast Answer Man. That's what the show was called back then. And so finally I did all the roads led to Cliff Ravenscraft. And, uh, I've really been in his community for a little while now. Um, in fact, all the, like all the equipment I use is stuff that he recommended, um, stuff like that. So, uh, I use and am reliant on Cliff and I think he, his presence in the world is responsible for this entire show, right? That's That's sort of awesome, and I know that I'm not the only one. There's probably thousands of other podcasters for whom this is true. But I wanted to know his spiritual journey, because he'll talk about his faith. Uh, He's very open about it. He's never been—he's an open book. But I wanted to know, like, what—how did you get here? How did you get here? And so um, he actually did share that conversation, share that with us in the conversation, and I think you're going to love it. I think you're going to learn a lot. I know I did. I just—even editing it this morning— I was, I was realizing how timely and important this message is for us about how to find yourself in Christ. So let's listen to that with Cliff Ravenscraft.
1: Cliff, welcome to Halfway There. Eric, thank you so much. It is an honor to finally be a guest on your show. I know that this is something we've been wanting to do for a while, so I'm glad to be here. It is, and you know what? So to all my podcasting friends, um, there's a message there, right? Be persistent.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Keep absolutely. asking, and uh, it'll happen. So you're right. This for me uh, to just to have you here is an honor, and it is a um,
1: it is a maybe a bucket list on the on the old podcasting uh, list there. So. Cool. I, by the way, we're doing video Skype. Although those are who are hearing our voices, probably only listening to the audio. But uh, dude, I love the the <laughs> row of books behind you. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, thanks. I so I've got it goes up over here a couple more rows, and then there's a whole bunch over here. So my wife said you have to have a place to put those.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it's cool. It, it, it's always, it, it's depressive it's to those who see it. It's like, man, he must know so much to have those books on his shelf.
0: Well, if you can't be that way, you got to fool him, right? So <laughs> it, you got to at least look at that least way. they
1: look good, even if you haven't
0: read them. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. It's good stuff. Though. I like them. Thanks, brother. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and kind of who you are.
1: Sure. Well, today, if you were to say, who are you? What do you do for a living? And I tell people I'm a business mentor, I am a life coach, and I am a motivational speaker, and that's that's how I describe who I am. But basically, my mission and purpose, I was put on this earth to entertain, educate, and encourage and inspire other people. And basically, what I learned and discovered is that my mission and purpose is to take all the things that I have experienced, all the things that I've learned, all of my failures, and my successes, all all of my obstacles and the things that I face, everything that I'm learning, I have been called, I believe, by God, to share those things with my unique voice, with my perspective, with my way of thinking strategically about all of those experiences, and then teaching people what I've learned and what I'm experiencing in a way that, with the purpose of all of that, I believe that God has called me to equip others to become more of who they were created to be, helping them become free from whatever it is that's holding them back from living their best life possible. Yeah. That's who I am.
0: That I love that. So I think that's such an empower, such a powerful message. And it's one that we really need to hear. One of my, um, uh, I don't know, M- missions uh, is that I think so many of us kind of get stuck with our particularly our faith about how much we know and how much we do. But there's a message in what you say about becoming who you are, right? right. There's something about yeah. finding yourself in Christ that um, takes you even further than you might think possible.
1: Well, the thing is, is I was created with a purpose. Uh, God had works and pl- things for me to accomplish before I was born. He knew I was going to accomplish in this world. And it took me a long time to come to grips with the fact that I'm already fully equipped to do whatever it is God mm-hmm. wants me to do. Uh, I, yeah, there's plenty that I'm going to learn. There's plenty that I'm going to invest in, in my continual ongoing growth. I'm God's not finished with me yet. However... I never have to wait to be of value to other people based upon what I who I already am. I'm already enough today to instantly start adding value to other people's lives according to the purpose that God has planned for me.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. Well, I want to go through the story of how you got here because that I think is really fascinating. So um, you you – I don't know. I don't know what your family life was like. I've heard you talk a little bit about it, but growing up, was it uh, was it a Christian family? Would you say?
1: Nope, I wouldn't. Uh, Although I'd say that my mom must have had some pretty strong faith background. When I was either an infant or before I was born, I do know that when I was born, my mom did have me uh, baptized in the Wesleyan church. So there are, th- oh, yeah. I have a baptism certificate as an infant, uh, that I was baptized into the Wesleyan church. So there's that. And then, uh, when my mom and my stepdad, that's, those are some of my earliest memories. I don't, when my mom and my biological dad, I don't remember ever church was never anything in the, in the realm of my memories but i do remember that when my mom and my stepdad were together we lived in a neighborhood and they were very open to me attending uh vacation bible school mm. with any of my friends that that wanted to invite me and of course who would turn down free cookies and Kool-Aid right <laughs> right so that so i went i i went to the baptist vacation bible schools i went to the nazarene vacation bible schools i I'm sure I went to a couple Presbyterian ones. Um, And not only that, but my mom and dad were also very cool with me accepting invitations to whatever local church any of my friends in the neighborhood were going to as long as the church van came and picked me up. So my my mom and dad never took me to the church, but they were more than happy for me to be hauled off to any local (laughs) church that had a church van that ran through the neighborhood. So, again... Wesleyan, Nazarene, Baptist, um and 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 then I'll I'll lead into where some of my more extreme uh bouts of of Christianity came in. But get this. So it from 2nd through 7th grade I was sent to Catholic school for my education. And I'm not Catholic. So therefore yeah. I was the outcast. I was in a school of a couple hundred children in this elementary Catholic school. Out of several hundred children in the school, I was one of three non-Catholic kids. So I was the kid who had to sit in religion class all the time. I had to go to Mass every Friday. (laughs) I was not allowed to have a First Communion or... Let alone a second, third, or ongoing communion every time from second grade on. Everybody's having communion. Yeah, but oh boy, can Cliff Ravenscraft receive the body of Christ? Absolutely not. Can Cliff Ravenscraft go to confessional and have his sins absolved by a priest? Absolutely not. I was this outcast. I was not. A, I was not accepted by God because I was not Catholic. And here I am on the weekends going to all of these other crazy schools, and it and it got. Even more fun, Eric. <laughs> Things got really exciting for me when at age 15, my cousin invited me to go to a charismatic Pentecostal church <laughs> on the weekends. <laughs> right. We're talking holy <laughs> roller, baby. Uh we're and of course I never I I for some reason God, as much as I prayed for him to give me this. Holy spirit fire and, you know, of, of gift of speaking in tongues. I, the closest I could get is as much as I could fake it. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and, you know, the whole fake it till you make it with speaking in tongues didn't work with me I, for whatever reason. I couldn't, I couldn't shake spasmatically like everybody else <laughs> falling on the floor. I, I just don't, I didn't get it. I wanted it. I was, I was like, give me this, but it just wasn't happening for me. So I, I, for whatever reason, God didn't want me in the Catholic church. I wasn't quite a good fit in for the charismatic uh, Pentecostal church that I went to. But you know what? I was still on fire for God. I, I've always wow. had a passion for wanting to know God. I wanted to be in relationship with God. Uh, more than anything from just all the Baptist, you know, hellfire and brimstone preaching stuff, I, I, I was afraid of hell you know mm, yeah. i was i was taught from a ki- from, from being a kid if you do not have a relationship with god you will burn in hell and for whatever reason um i always imagine that hell is literally my flesh on fire melting eternally and <laughs> and it must smell like when somebody burns their hair i don't know if you've ever heard a smell yeah. hair that's burned uh, but i just <laughs> imagine that only they say it's like sulfur and it's like it's like i don't want to go to hell whatever it takes god let me be you know exempt from this hell thing give me the get jesus out of jail card you know get out of hell card yep. i'll do whatever it takes god let tell me what i need to do and and so i've always had this obsession with god i want to have a relationship with you and i think that's never, really interesting Being an outcast in the Catholic Church, I'm curious how that sort of shaped your view of God.
0: But then having all these different kinds of inputs about who God is, it seems like it would be kind
1: of confusing. Well, it it was confusing, although I can tell you right now what I love about it. I love my background in faith. Yeah. it, it it's given me, given me one thing, and that is I feel like a little bit more of the Bereans who were praised for always questioning everything that's ever told to them. Yeah, uh, Because one thing I can tell you is that the <laughs> the Catholic Church, they're absolutely certain that they are the one true church and they are right and everyone else is wrong. The one thing I can tell you about the Baptists, <laughs> they are the one true church and everything that they believe in their theology and teach is right and everyone else is wrong. The Pentecostals, They absolutely are convinced that they are right. They are the one true church, and everyone else is wrong. Guess what the Wesleyans believe? (laughs) The same thing. Yeah, Yeah. and and so the one thing I have learned is that there is no way that any one of these people can be right, and everyone else is wrong. And and so if anything, it's got me to the place where it's like how much – if you can be wrong about so much – who determines who's right about anything and if anything it's it's caused me to really question well wait a second if they're wrong about all this stuff i wonder if i if if maybe the this whole god things is not is not as complicated as as they've led me to believe that it is and i didn't come to these realizations till i was much older um but i but he, so he, you can imagine here i am the when i say things got excited exciting i mean i was really i was like listen god i'll do whatever it takes i will study the bible day and night so i'm studying the king james version which i'm told by the pro, pro or from the uh, pentecostal church that anybody yeah. who reads anything other than the king james is a heretic because it is the most accurate translation uh, certainly if it was if the king's james version was good enough for the apostles it must have been good <laughs> enough for me right i, I that's a joke i know
0: but people but, sometimes say that you know like oh, come on
1: <laughs> yeah so but anyway here i am i'm going now i will tell you i can't speak for the the global catholic church but when i was going to catholic school in the late 70s early 80s the Catholic Church that I was a part of the the Diocese, if you will, they did not teach that Catholic uh, participants uh, the the members of the Catholic Church should have their own Bible be reading and studying the Bible on their own you know it's good enough to come to to mass and have the 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 letters from the Bible read to you and explained by a professional you shouldn't be doing this stuff on your own but here I am studying the book of Revelation at home on my own with <laughs> Bible study materials and of course I'm showing up to to religion class with my Bible with questions for my teachers in in Catholic school so I had all kinds of fun stuff <laughs> yeah that went over well and, I'm sure And and by the way, not to mention the fact that by the time I'm a teenager, my mom and my stepdad are starting to go to church. And every now and then I'll go to their Baptist church with them. And I was part of – they're part of a – I don't know what it's called. um, But it's a Baptist church where, quite frankly, the the pastor was very well known for expressing beliefs that the Catholic church was the church in Revelation – uh which was going to be give to give birth to oh. the antichrist. Okay. Right. And, and so oh man, it, it you talk about somebody who had so many different teachings about God, who he is, what he requires of us. One thing I can tell you is that every realm of Christianity that I that I was brought up in, that I had as influence it was all 100% what could be fit into one box and it was and i i call it performance based christianity mm, yep it was all performance based christianity and i grew up believing that i needed to perform for god i if if i can say that that there's one thing that i that was that all of those religious backgrounds taught me is that for me to be in a right relationship with God I had to do what God what I know that God wants me to do and I had to avoid what God wants me to avoid and if I do what God wants and I avoid what God doesn't want for me then I am in a great standing as far as my relationship with God and I was also taught that if I sin either by doing something I shouldn't do or not doing something I should do, then that I have willfully or maybe unwillfully, unintentionally, un- unconsciously, I have allowed myself to have this wall that's put in, a re- in between my relationship with God, that God can't look upon me because he can't look upon sin. And of course, some of this comes from my you know, Catholic background. Yeah. I was taught about the the menial sins and the mortal sins. <laughs> sounds so dangerous. Um, but the, but the thing is, is I re- I remember Eric. I remember at Catholic school, probably fifth grade, and I was that kid. While everybody else is playing four square and hopscotch and all that other stuff out on the school, I was the kid who was sitting there as like con- pondering. I was sitting on the sidewalk. Outside at recess, and I remember this clear as day, I remember asking, if I were to get killed in a car accident, but I had not yet confessed my sin before God, would I die and go to hell? If I wow. died with unconfessed sin? These, these were the questions that would routinely go through my head. And so it's like, oh my gosh, I, I must make sure that every day I must confess all sins that I have all the time because I I could die at any moment. And I want to make sure that I mean my my, my biggest obsession, how do I avoid hell? Yeah. Yeah. Well that's so, a terrible burden I, to live under, right? Oh dude. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> well, that's
0: yeah. So how did that work itself out as you grew up and and you began because I know eventually you
1: ended up in ministry. Was that I wonder if So, so how 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 much time do you have, Barry? <laughs> So I, I would love to tell you some fun stuff. So, okay, um, let's let's just go let let's go to when I start dating this one girl. I, I, her name was Tammy. Um, it, actually, so we go. I go through this entire childhood, young adulthood, teenage year kind of thing with this feeling like I'm pretty sure I am a Christian. All right, mm. I pr- I'm pretty sure I've checked all the boxes that needed to be checked to get me out of hell, you know. It, it, but it's kind of like one of those things where you never know until you get through customs, and then <laughs> all of a sudden, it's like, is there this one form that I forgot to fill right. out? That I, I was always in that kind. of... I was sh- almost sure I had everything. I was I was confident enough, confident enough to get into the lines into the line to see the customs agent, but it seemed like every single time. I went up and I saw the customs agent. He says, I'm sorry. I don't see that you have this form. You need to go and get this taken care of. So with that being said, I want to tell you that uh, I was attending this Nazarene church, and I, I went to this Bible study group. And it just seemed like these people were more on fire for God than I was, and it seemed like they had something that I didn't have. And it caused me to question. It's like, wait a second. I was in line for customs. It's, it's kind of like I was in line that if I die, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty sure that the customs agents – but then all of a sudden I saw – it seemed like, if you can imagine, I went to this weekly Bible study group where all these other teens were going. And they seemed so much more dedicated to God than I was. They seemed, they seemed to have so much more passion for God's word than I had. They seemed to have forms filled out. That I hadn't filled out yet. Yeah. Do you understand the analogy I'm saying? Oh, totally. Yeah. So, and you're wondering what they have. I began to question my salvation. I began to question whether or not I would be rejected if I died, if, if I was really in a right standing with God. Did I have all the right, proper forms filled out? So, at that point, I can tell you that on December 9th, 1991, I determined, I said, guys, I need to know every form. Do- I, I have this form checked. I have this form checked. I have this. And they said, "Well, here, let, let's go through." And it was kind of like the Romans Road or the Four Spiritual Laws. Finally, this one guy in the Nazarene Church went. He's like, "Did you do this? Did you do this? Did you?" And just in case, let's do the Sinner's Prayer right here, right now. <laughs> and and boy, you've got them all checked. So, I went for a very long period of my adult life. Thinking that it was December 9th nineteen ninety one. That was the day that I finally got saved. Looking back, that's so freaking ridiculous. All right, right. But but I lived I lived probably twenty plus years of my life thinking that December 9th nineteen ninety one. At the age of like, what was I? Eighteen years? I don't know. So I was a teenager. Um, and that's when I got saved. Now it was at that Bible study group and that, that time season of my life. And I started dating this girl named Tammy and I was so excited, you know, and, and she would only date a Christian man, which was cool because, you know, I just, I just got all, all my documents checked <laughs> by this right. guy. I'm convinced I got all the right paperwork. Right. So the thing is, is, uh, th- we're dating for a couple weeks and finally she invites me to go be- meet her mom and dad. So I go and have dinner at her parents' house and they ask me all kinds of questions about how did I come to faith, you know, if if you know if if I were to ask you if were a Christian, how would you de- how would you defend your faith? You know, it's like, yeah. well, here's the thing and it's like I went to church here and I and I basically I'm like let me tell you about all the documents I have here. I've checked this <laughs> off, I checked this off. And <laughs> and I felt really great, right? So here's the deal, um what happened was I go home that night and she calls me, Tammy calls me and says, I'm sorry, my mom and dad tell me I have to break up with you because you're not a Christian. Oh, And I'm like, what the hell? And that's not me cussing. I'm literally like, what the hell? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, oh my gosh, what, what forms was I missing? Yeah. I, and I'm like, F- first of all, Tammy, I could care less about you right now. I really couldn't. That doesn't. Please, please tell your parents. I need to know what forms I'm missing, because going to hell mean uh, not going to hell means a whole lot more to me than being able to kiss you on the lips the next time I see you. That mean. I, wh- tell your parents. I need to know what I'm missing. <laughs> what did? did they say it, anything? It, did they have something oh, to add? It, no, they were so it was weird. I, right? Yeah. Gosh. I. The, <laughs> I you know the thing is is it just it just reminds me of how much I don't like about so many things about this whole thing. However, I will tell you that at the time I was I was genuinely concerned. Looking yeah. back, I'm I get fired up angry about the way that I was treated in so many different circumstances. However, that's not how it really went down. I really went down, it's like, okay, well, it's I need to be I need to do this. And so I, I went to people and I said, yes, Cliff, you've, you've definitely got this. And when I became when, – when I felt certain at that time, I wasn't concerned about what relationship I had with any girl. I was only concerned about – I became on fire for God. And I'm like, okay, now I have more pa- – I have more passion, and it was all about performance. Right, I have more passion for God than any of these people I've been going to Bible study with. They thought they were passionate about like, you ain't got nothing <laughs> on Cliff Ravenscraft. <laughs> Let me show you. You tell me what we're going to do, and I'm going to do 10 times. You you ask me seven, I'll give oh. you 70 times. I'm going to do everything. So I started – I became an overzealous, uh, just like crazy insane – Disciple of Jesus Christ, and I was like in the nazarene i was I was attending the Nazarene church, and so I was like, I was devouring everything. Tell me what I need to do and it's like you need to read the Bible every day, you need to go to church every day, you need to d- you need to do uh you need to pray every day, you need to do all these things and I'm like, I will do them, and then some, and I just became this overzealous uh Christian who tried to live the perfect life based upon even the teachings of sanctification i was going for entire sanctification you know and i'm like i'm going to live the perfect holy life and i felt like so self righteous and i felt rightfully low rightfully so i mean i was doing everything right until i meet a different girl and eric without going into too much detail after a couple of dates our relationships started to go places that those relationships aren't supposed to go. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden it's like, OK, well, I've obviously now screwed up. God must hate me. And um, things got so out of whack that I decided to leave the church. I left that girl and I said, listen, I, I can't I can't. I cannot live up to the standards that God requires of me. Forget it. And so then I went off to college and started drinking every night and smoking pot with everybody. Joined a fraternity and said, screw the whole church thing. If I'm going to hell, I'm going to have fun. (laughs) If I'm going to hell, I'm going to
0: enjoy it first.
1: (laughs) I might as well. I mean, I'm going there anyway,
0: obviously. right. Which is interesting. I mean, that really is the, the you know, the outcome of that whole thing, right? If I'm going to try to live up to this and earn my way, essentially, then you're not going to make it, you know? And Paul makes yep. that point. So interesting. Okay. So you, what brought you back
1: eventually then? Okay. So then I meet this girl named Stephanie. This is a couple uh-huh. years into college. I meet this young girl, Stephanie. Today, she's my wife. We've been married for well over 22 years now. And um, she happens to be attending an Assembly of God church. So I want you to think about how charismatic the Pentecostal church that I was. Uh And I want you to multiply the charismatic emphasis on everything by about 3000%. <laughs> right. I mean, I I'm telling you this, this church was more care. I mean, I walked in, Stephanie and I were dating for a couple weeks. And again, I'm outside of the realm of, you know, all this other stuff. Right. So I, I'm like, I'm, I'm full backslidden heathen man. Right. Mm-hmm. So I walk into this church and I, Physically feel the presence of God in this place because it's just all wired up in my brain that that this is how it's all going down. I felt spiritual a spiritual presence, and I'm like I'm like I don't know that I should be here. Wow, um, and I it, this doesn't feel right. Uh, this, this God obviously is not happy with me and the way that I've, I'm choosing intentionally to live my life. Um, but you know, I, I love Stephanie and she invited me to come here and, and I'm going, I'm going to go. So the first day I walk into this, this assembly of God church, they've got this super crazy charismatic service going on. I mean, people are literally dropping like flies. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird stuff happening. I mean, I'm used to it because of my year and a half that I spent at the Pentecostal church. So it didn't bother me, but, um, you know, I've been there, done that. I, I, th- this isn't for me. You know, why am I here? Kind of deal. And there's this man up on the stage playing the bass guitar. That after the service, he comes to me, and says, "Hey, my name's Bill, and God wants me to give you a word." And I'm like, "Oh, great! One of these guys." <laughs> and and he says, "Don't worry." I, I he says, "I saw you walk in with Stephanie, so you must be the the guy that she's been talking about." I'm good friends with Stephanie. My name's Bill Grimm. Uh, and, and God and I were I uh, up I, while I was up on the platform pa- playing the bass guitar, God and I were having a conversation. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he wanted me to give you a message. And he said that you're going to think I'm crazy and that's okay, but you will see one day that it's actually true. And the message is, he, God wants you to know that one day you will be in full-time ministry, and you will be ministering to tens of thousands of people at a time. Wow. And I said, you're right. You're crazy. Because <laughs> you have no idea who I am and how I'm living my life, and, that I ha- and that's the furthest thing from my mind that I could ever possibly want there's never in a million years could that ever possibly come true. You are a fruitcake. I didn't say all of that. I'm like, okay, that's fine. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) But all that stuff was going through my head. Tens of thousands of people, give me a break. It's kind of funny though, if you think about the fact that today I'm actually considering what I do, I'm pretty much in full-time ministry. And I routinely reach tens of thousands of people on a consistent basis and have done so for yeah. more than a decade now.
0: Yeah, that's super interesting, right? So what he said did come true for you. And I know one of your goals is to to have a stadium event, right? To have a really big
1: yeah. event. Yeah. So getting there, I mean that took some time though. Oh yeah. So what happened was um Stephanie and I started talking about um the, you know, a couple probably about 6 months later. Stephanie's starting to hint about getting married and, and I'm starting to warm up to the idea and I'm like, but listen, I, there's no way I could be the husband. I, I have some beliefs about marriage, some very strong beliefs about marriage. My mom and dad were divorced when I was young. My bo- mom and my biological dad, um, her mom and her dad were divorced. I, I said, listen, if we get married, divorce is not an option in my mind. Um, I believe it's a covenant that that lasts forever, and quite frankly, I'm not living my life in a way that I feel that I'm able to keep that kind of commitment to a woman. I, I just don't think I can. I, I don't believe it's possible for me to keep that kind of commitment on my own. I literally do know that it would require that I be that I at least be in a right relationship with God for me to be able to live out the life that I would want to live as your husband. So with that being said, I'd be willing to start talking about you and I getting married if you and I were to commit to something crazy. I said, there's only one time in my life that I've really felt that I was really in a great place with God. And that was when I was a part of a small group Bible study with other like-minded people around my age. And here's what I'd like to propose. I'd like to propose that you and I begin hosting a weekly Bible study group for young adults our age. And if we can pull this off, then I'm willing to start talking about a date for us to get married. But that's what I want. And she says, okay. And the thing is, we weren't necessarily members of any church. We weren't members of this Assembly of God church. And, we, and this was something that she was attending with her aunt and uncle. So it wasn't our thing. And we started looking for places that would allow us to host uh, the, a Bible study in their place. So we went to this local Nazarene church, or no, this local Baptist church that was down the road uh, from us. And they said, nope, you can't do it unless you're going to become members here. And to become members here, you have to be baptized. I'm I've already been baptized. No, you have to be baptized the proper way, <laughs> the Baptist. And I'm like, right. whatever, dude, I'm, okay, I'm so out of here. Um, and it turns out that the only place I could go is this one church that I actually ended up leaving when I was so gung-ho on fire before. And and so we started going to that. Uh, we started to host a, a Bible study group there, and it was called EOTC, Encouraging Others Through mm. Christ, uh, which became my username. When I first signed up for my very first online username, it's always been Cliff EOTC. Yeah. Anyway— we started a bible study group called encouraging others through Christ and it grew way bigger than we could have ever dreamed possible it was absolutely amazing what the things that were happening there and stephanie and i got married and just a few months after we got married i said stephanie this is going to sound crazy but i feel like i feel called to full time ministry like i feel and and of course the only understanding of what full-time ministry was at that point was that you're a pastor in a church. You know, that's, so I I went and talked to my pastor and he brought me to the church board and they all agreed and, and says, yes, let's get you studying for the minister, your district minister's license in the Nazarene church. Started going to distance learning through Nazarene Bible college. And I became a licensed minister. I, I was a, I was a pastor, an associate pastor in the Nazarene church and that that was the path I was going down i've done I've performed several weddings before. I like to joke around that the first the first woman I ever married was my cousin <laughs> uh, <laughs> I live in Kentucky uh, so anyway but yeah so so I went down that path and and I was an associate pastor, and my wife and i the, my wife was not called to be a pastor 's wife. I was called to be full time ministry we couldn 't figure out why, but my wife thankfully went along. But I can tell you, not not one day did she ever feel that she was called to be a pastor's wife. Not a single day did she agree that, yes, this is my calling. I'll go along. I'll follow you anywhere. But this does not feel – this is not me. And I can tell you right now, the stuff that people said to her and about her mm. uh, was some of the most hurtful things. That I, I mean, you could say anything you want about me, but, man, you don't put your – expectations and obligations on my wife and you don't talk about that as. And so eventually some things happened in that church. We ended up leaving there. And, uh, well, well that's part we, of your I, podcasting story, yeah. right? What's that? Is that part of your podcasting story? Well, that, that came several years later, actually. Yeah. So, so what happened is we ended up leaving the Nazarene church. We ended up going to this big, huge non-denominational okay. mega church. It was actually church of Christ. Um, uh, but still, still, Acted more as a non-denominational church than anything, and we were a pastor of small groups there. And and I just I just always was turned off by the amount of of hypocrisy and it just just this performance based Christianity stuff. It just I, I saw it was really the hypocrisy. Matter of fact, the more more than anything, I always hated when I would go out and have genuine passion and concern for being a witness for Jesus and and what it means to be a follower of Christ and to be an encourager of others to help other people understand. God's love for them and have them all be so turned off because no I don't want to be a part of your Christian stuff because I hate Christians. They're the most judgmental, hypocrite it's so much hypocrisy and all this other stuff and quite frankly I couldn't argue with them, right? And 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 when I followed all of the rules, my own self it's like, "Man, I I I've, I've been that guy. I've been the pharisee. I've been all of that stuff." And I just I just couldn't I just couldn't handle it it just the 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 problem is is when you're pursuing full time ministry in a traditional sense of being a pastor, you get involved in not just the what happens on Sunday morning or you know Sunday night or Wednesday night or prayer meetings. But you get involved in some of the conversations that are happening in the boardroom, yeah. And dude, these are these are not usually healthy conversations. At least not in, not in the ten or fifteen churches I've seen them. In. Yeah, uh, the, these are some of the, un, the most unhealthy relationships. And it, it, I could I'm not going to go into all the details, but to but to tell you that something happened. And I, gosh, hold on. Let me go to I got to go to a URL. If I go to EncouragingOthersThroughChrist.com, I have a podcast there, and I can. this will help me just scroll down and see if I can tell you a date. Uh, let's see here. The parable—well, okay, here I can tell you. Okay, so it's September 2011. September 2011 is when everything changed for me so i was I was a part of a different we left the big mega church we decided to go for this little small community that was meeting in a high school gymnasium this church that was there, and we were convinced that maybe this is we just need to get small we need to get rid of the building idea and all this stuff let's live in a community let's just focus on small groups and I, it it was just. It just got. After a couple months, it, it got. It turned into the same thing. They were talking about build, a building fund campaign, and it's just going. It's like seriously, are we going to go down this route again? And not to mention the fact of this these crazy, silly, unrealistic expectations that they wanted me to live up to. It's like I. I'll just tell you that I. I said, listen, I. Feel God calling me to lead small group Bible studies. My wife and I want to do this in our home. We want to love and care for people, encourage one another. That's that's what we're all about. And so they said, "Awesome, we we deputize you, and we we're going to start a small group campaign anyway." And and it's like, awesome. And then all of a sudden, they met in a high school gymnasium. So they, they were having a hard time getting people to volunteer to set up for the church service on Sunday, Saturday night and to tear it down Sunday morning. So they said, hey, here's, we got an idea. We've got all of these people going to Bible study groups. So we're just going to put it on the group leaders, a.k.a. Cliff Ravenscraft, <laughs> right. uh, and, and everybody else leading a group. And here's what we want you to do. We just want you and your group once a month to come and volunteer to do this. And, and if anybody in your group, now we know how many people in your group. So that's how many people will expect Saturday nights and Sunday mornings. So here's what we ask you as the leader. If, if somebody in your group can't make it, we need you to find their replacement. It's like, wait a second. (laughs) Number one, I don't have time to come out on Saturday or Sunday. I didn't volunteer to do this. And I certainly don't have time to find replacements for other people. And and but I did it begrudgingly, not out of the kindness of my heart, right. but out of the bitterness of my soul. <laughs> I did it anyway, and um, and then our our board of directors for the church decided, hey, we're going to volunteer as a as a church community, as a family here, to to volunteer to help this homeless mission. And we need uh, groups of people to volunteer to go pack clothes, sort clothes, that are, deliver furniture and all this other stuff. Oh, and 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 it's great. It's all going to be only volunteer. Well, that was great until they had a hard time getting volunteers, but they've been committed now. So what do they do? They also throw this onto the small group Bible study leaders. Oh, and by the way, here and here's what it is. It's on weeknights. We want you to take one meeting per month. So you're meeting four times a month. One meeting per month, instead of having your Bible study, we want you to use that meeting where you all go to volunteer here. Oh, but by the way, no children are allowed, so you'll need to find child care, <laughs> right. and if anybody can't come, you also need to find a replacement for them. Like, I'm what? like – I finally went to him, and I said, listen, this is ridiculous. I don't want special treatment, but if you are going to continue to do this, I need to step down. And when I was told that if you do not do this, it clearly communicates that you must not love God. I said, Mm. no, it does not communicate that. It clearly communicates that this is not my calling. It's not my gifting. It's not where I feel led to give. And it's pulling me away from what I feel called to do to serve God. And I quit. And I'm out of here. And I will never come again. And September of 2011, I stopped going to weekly congregational gatherings. And I will no longer call them churches. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we which, which is church. powerful. That's right. Yeah, I've, I've find that I find that idea really powerful. I think it's, it's a good change in vocabulary to, to rethink about how we are the church, not just uh, not the building.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm okay with the with the concept of the local church. The and basically it's the it's a local gathering. Right. Of the church. But that is not the church. The building is not the church. Um and yeah, man, I just, I just got to tell you. I, I it just I finally said I have been deceived. And and here's what I will tell you. There was this pastor friend of mine who was a heretic that I was told that I should never listen to uh, because he was a Calvinist. You see, when I started studying oh, yeah. for ministry, I'm studying from the we- Wesleyan-Arminian line of theology. Right. And if you're Wesleyan-Arminian and you're studying theology, you know that the Calvinist followers are heretics. Yep. They preach heresy. So – Here I am, I meet this guy uh, through, through Dan Miller, author of the book 48 Days to the Work You Love. I meet him on a cruise, and I love this guy. His name is David Foster, and he's a pastor, and he's a Calvinist. And I start listening to his podcast, and he starts saying stuff like, you know, a lot of people think that they have a relationship with God, but in reality, they don't. He says a lot of people think that they have a relationship with God, but what they have is one of three things usually, or sometimes multiple of the three things, but it's not a relationship with God. I'll never forget this podcast episode I listened to. It's the first time I I said, it's like, wait a sec, I thought December 9th, 1991, I had all the paperwork, it's all been checked. You know, I had all the stamps in my passport ready to go. But then all of a sudden, David Foster starts talking. He's like, listen, here's what happens. People think they have a relationship with God, but here's what they usually have, a relationship with an institution or a relationship with information about God, (laughs) or a relationship with a moral code of conduct. And here's what I realized. From the time I was a kid, I had a passion and a desire to know God and to be known by Him, to be accepted, to be loved. And I've always sought him from the time I was a kid. And now, if you were to ask me, when were you saved? I, I have no idea. You ask God that. All I know is from the time I was a kid, he's loved me. So, yeah, and, and you have sought him, which I think is really,
0: really powerful. It's, you know, there's yeah. a lot of places you've tried to find him, but, uh, you know, you found you were always after him. That's, that's what he wants.
1: Well, the thing is, is I was always after him. And then I can tell you for a fact that I know – it was it was 1991, December 1991. It was the first time there was never a question in my mind whether or not I had found him and been found by him. First time in my life I knew for a fact then that I had that relationship. I had never been – if you look into my senior year – Yearbook. I don't know if you guys had yearbooks oh, yeah. in high school. Oh yeah. At the end of the year, you get your yearbook, and everybody writes like little things. They sign little. They sign their names, and they say a little thing about you or whatever. Uh, one person wrote in my yearbook, "Cliff Ravenscraft, most likely to be the next Billy Graham." That's how people wow. knew me in high school. Wow. All right. Yeah. So so that that's what that's the kind of. Pe- I mean, I was on fire. It, and it was genuine. It wasn't, it wasn't performance-based. It, it was real, authentic love and zeal for God, all right, and a passion to help other people experience the undying love of God. And when I said, how do I get more of this, they said, Cliff, what you really need – by the way, the answer is you already got it. But no, did I hear that? No, I didn't. They didn't say, Cliff, you already got it. They said, Cliff, what you need is to be more committed to coming to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Mm. Tuesday night prayer meetings, Wednesday. And by the way, if you can volunteer to be a part of a couple of these things, pretty much spend as much of your life here at this building every day of every week, that'd be great. Number two, read your Bible every day. Make sure you always are studying everything you need to, you can possibly know about God. You need to be so, always learning something new about God. Um, and all the, also, avoid this, do this. Take this Nazarene manual, study it, learn it. It will help you avoid straying away and losing that relationship and and basically what happened was through the course of all of this in my entire training and what I've been taught i did have a genuine unfiltered relationship with god and i traded it now i did god never left me but i left my side of the relationship pursuing him and i began to instead i pursued a relationship. I had an affair with the institution of the church. I had mm. an affair with information about God and I had an affair with a moral code of conduct. Wow, that's powerful. Uh, and I, and think, I don't think you're in, wrong either. I think that a lot of people do that. They fall into this. Uh, in September 2011, uh, 11, I said, enough is enough. And so here, so I, I, I hear this podcast from David Foster, and I said, dude, I, I, basically everything I just shared with you, I wrote that in an email to him. He <laughs> says, dude, let's get on a phone call. And we started having conversations like two, three times a week. And, and, I, and he said, and David Foster, by this time, he's listening to all my podcasts. And at the time, I'm, I'm recording like seven to 15 podcast episodes a week about all these different shows. But he's listened to my About the Church podcast, which became Encouraging Others Through Christ, he was listening to my podcast, Answer Man, and also my Pursuing a Balanced Life podcast. So a lot of this content, he was listening. And he heard me talking about my angst about all these things that I'm experiencing. And this is a guy who is a pastor. And he says, Cliff, can I give you some advice? And I, and I said, what? He says, run. <laughs> and I, would, I said, what are you talking about? He says, run, get out of that church, run away from it, and never look back. He says, I'm not going to tell you that I'm speaking for God, but I am going to encourage you to do something. I want you to consider this. Never in your life again do church work. Devote the rest of your life instead to the work of the church. Wow. And that has been what I have done. I, I, refu- I will never do church work ever again. And today and ever since 2011, I have been fully devoted to the work of the church that God has put onto my heart. And I, I tell you, I've never experienced more freedom. And, and the, the thing is, is I still had all this guilt. I'm like, but dude, I, I'm okay. I can, I can break up, you know? Yes. I had this, I had this love affair with the institution. Guess what? It's real easy to break up. She was a nasty (laughs) one. You know, she smelled funny. She smoked everything. It's like, man, I, I can trust me, me, me and the institution. That one's easy. All right. By the way, uh, the, the information about God, I'm kind of lazy. Uh, it was a lot of work to keep up with that one. <laughs> Quite frankly, I, right. I, can, I can get rid of that love affair as well. But man, I feel real guilty about giving up the, the love affair with the moral code of conduct. This yeah. one doesn't, this one doesn't set well with me. I, it's like, dude, I'm struggling. You don't understand. I, I am still struggling with sin in my life. It's like, there are some sin that he gets cliff. dude, Ain't nobody out there that's living a sin-free life. And guess what? It's all forgiven. Past, present, future. You don't have to do it. All you need to know is that God loves you right now. Just give up on living the sin-free life. And never worry about that. Get to the place where it's all about just you and authentically accepting God's unending love. No height, nor death, no angel nor demon, no, there is nothing in existence, including any and all of your sin that can keep you from the love that is in Christ. It's all grace, dude. And and (laughs) I'm like, are you sure? I mean, David, I want you to know. So you're telling me if I willfully sin 10 times a day, seven days a week, every week for the next five years, I'm under (laughs) grace. Yes. And he loves you you know what and until you are in that kind of relationship where you ex- embrace that freedom w- wanting to get rid of the sin in your life for any other reason just because you know that it it it's not right for you and why he wants it, you not to have that it, for you to give up any of it just because you feel guilty or that because you're going to earn his love that's not really what it's all about so yeah he would much rather have you continue to sin than to stop sinning because you think that that's going to how he's going to accept you because it, it, you're ex- and it took me it took me months to wrap my it took me months to break up with the moral code of conduct but I, I got to tell you Eric I am blameless I am holy. And I am righteous, and it has nothing to do with anything that I do or do not do. I am loved. God doesn't just love me. God is thrilled with me. Mm. And I embrace that grace. And I've never had so much more love for other people and acceptance of other people for exactly who they are. No matter what they do to say to hurt me, to harm me, uh, I have never been able to be so free to give grace to so many other people than when I finally understood the joy of living inside of the grace given to me by God. And that, my friend, is the freedom that I live in today.
0: Yeah. I love that. That, what a powerful story. That's, uh, that's quite the journey from all the way in the beginning, but wow, Cliff. So tell me, how does that work out in your day-to-day life now? Well, what do you mean?
1: I'm just curious. Like, so how do you, cause so this was, so, you said, let 2000? me ask you this. Yeah. L- let's, let's just imagine this. All right. Let's go back to the 1800s. Yeah. All right. And, and I decide for me and my family, we want to move west all right so we move out west and we let's just say we live we, we on our way to california we we get to utah and we 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 find this plush land you know this this beautiful land uh, there's nobody within 50 miles of this place, but we now own this land. It's plentiful. We can farm here. We've got animals. We, we built a home here. And we live our lives more than 50 miles away from our closest neighbor. Now tell me, is that, <laughs> was that ever the life for anybody? Oh, yeah. And, and is it possible for those people to be Christians? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, but Eric, they obviously had to find the local church to go to every Sunday, didn't they? They have to travel by horse and buggy 50 miles every Sunday to, <laughs> to fully experience the, the fullness of a relationship with God, right? Right. Well, no, of course not. Right. I know what you're saying. Of course not. Right. It's possible. So, how does it look? For me, I wake up in the morning and, and sometimes I'll say, God, wow. Thank you for this awesome gift. I am so thankful to be breathing air and to wake up knowing that I'm not, you know, that overnight I didn't die and they're going to have to bury me six feet underground today. (laughs) What an awesome opportunity I have today. And you know what, Eric, there are some days I wake up and I don't give God a second thought. He doesn't even cross my mind. I get up and take for granted everything that is there. I, I just go through my days like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that. This, I, I've got to live like with this now. You know, it's like woe is me, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and, and sometimes I don't even think about how much God has given me. But you know what? Every day, whether I acknowledge God in all the awesomeness of everything that he has given and provided me, or whether or not I get up and take everything for granted, I'm still, every day, mm-hmm. his mercies are new. It's all under grace. And it's not, when, when God looks at me, he doesn't look at me for who I am. He looks at me for what what has been imputed on me through his son, Jesus. Yeah. I'm covered. My bill has been paid. It's like, dude, Cliff, don't worry. I got this one. I got you covered. I got this friend named Jesus. He all he's co- he covers the bill everywhere <laughs> I go. And it's like, awesome. And, you know, and how does it look? You know, I I'm having a conversation with you. Of course, I'm doing most of the talking because that's who I am. <laughs> I'm having fun listening to you, Cliff. I I love
0: uh yeah, I've spent a lot of hours listening to you, but I I just appreciate um your vulnerability and your authenticity and um you know, I think if we could develop more of that in the church, we'd be a lot better off.
1: What do you mean in the church? We are the church. Well, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. I, I just mean,
0: so I still go to church or I still go to my institutional church. Right? You
1: still go to a weekly congregas- I do. congregational gathering of the saints. I do. Exactly. That's so, awesome. I love that you do that.
0: Yeah. But, um, but I, so anyway, authenticity is a thing that I, that I wrestle with sometimes, but you know, just letting, letting that, just dwelling in that. So I, I appreciate that about where you are.
1: Well, the the thing is, is I, it it didn't come easy. None of of this authenticity stuff came easy until I finally understood. I, I I got to the point where Eric, I quite frankly could not give a rip about what anybody thinks about me. I really don't. Yeah. I, 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 you, I could give people, you can email me, you can email me cliff at cliff and tell me what you think about me you can my email or my po box is 482 hebron kentucky 41048 send me all your hate mail your love mail it doesn't matter to me cuz guess what i'm covered by this guy named jesus and and you know what my passport i don't even know where my passport is guess what jesus has got it and when i get to the border patrol up in heaven <laughs> jesus is, dude here's his <laughs> trust me I got him covered. Here, here you go. I don't have to worry about any of it anymore. Yeah. All very is cool. grace. that That's the power of
0: finding your identity in Christ. Yep. Finding and yourself there.
1: Th- you know, there's so much, you know, I, I, I want to go back to this question because I want to get to the heart of what, because this is a question that I have a lot of people. It's like, how do you live out the faith without the weekly congregational gathering? Yeah. Cause that's the heart of the question, I think. Right.
0: Well, kind of, I mean, so I, I was really I don't I don't question that at all. I mean, I I get that. Um what I was wondering about is what that actually looks like in your day to day and you kind of talked about that a little bit. Some days but, I'm I'm me, grateful and some days I'm not.
1: Yeah, well, here's the thi- here's the thing. I every day am reminded of the grace that I have. That, that I I'm reminded to be thankful. I I'm tempted sometimes to get angry and upset about certain things that don't go in my way. But I've learned to trade my expectation for appreciation. One thing that I do know that what is God's will, be joyful always. In all things, give thanks for this is God's will for you. (laughs) You want to know what God's will for you is to be thankful every single day. In everything, give thanks and to be joyful always. That's, that's, that's my desire is to experience that. Do I experience it every day? Absolutely not. But I'm reminded when I'm not joyful Mm. that, Hey, there's no reason for you not to be joyful. You woke up this morning, you're not dead. You know, just spend some time focused on all the amazing things that you have to be thankful for. Wow. This is incredible. So the other thing is, is how do I live my life and faith with other people? Just going back, let's just say I lived on that, that, that out in this farm and the closest neighbors 50 miles away. Well, just imagine, I just, by the way, the, if, read the book. Re, have you ever heard of the book called Redeeming Love or Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers? Oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. My wife loves that. And,
1: yeah. Every, everybody's wife loves this book. <laughs> I, have you read this book? I haven't. No. Eric. Dude, I'm gonna tell you that this book has the potential of being more powerful in your life than all of those other books up on your shelf behind you combined. Nice. It, it is a fiction novel. <laughs> yeah, right. It is it is it's almost a modern day, except for it's it's the you know colonial period or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, gold rush period of, of California. But it's it's like a modern day telling of, of the book of Hosea, oh, you know, nice. where Hosea's been, you know, told to marry a prostitute. But anyway, I want you to think about this this character who is in this book, and and there are travelers that travel along the road that goes past his house, and and people stop in, and 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 they they have this this interaction of brothers and sisters in Christ doing life together for a period of time. People come into their lives and out of their lives, and it, and and for me, I have by the way, I'm I'm in a part of a a weekly mastermind group every single week uh since October 2010 I've been in a mastermind group with uh, a group of other Christian men and we do not we are not a local congregational gathering uh but I can tell you what I'm in a I we are the church and wherever two or more of us gather together, and we do everything we do in his name, our biz, we are all business owners, so we're all very much focused on our business, but everything we do, including our business life, is, is for Christ. It, it's, it's, our faith is not a segment of our life. Our life is derived by our identity in Christ. See, we we are mm. who we are in Christ, and that's everywhere. It's in all areas, including business. And so I, I'm i in a weekly relationship with five, uh, or yeah, with five other men every single week. I facilitate two different paid mastermind groups where um, I would say that 95% of the people who are in my weekly mastermind groups, the two that I facilitate currently— ninety five percent of them are Christian as well, and we have lots of wonderful faith based conversations there. Um, my clients, I would say that the people that I do one on one mentoring with I would say probably about eighty five to ninety percent of those people who hire me one on one are are christians and what's funny is is how much impact and influence I have in this world with those who have always been turned off by Christianity, but all of a sudden seem to be more interested in who this God is that I serve because it seemingly is different than the God they've ever heard of before. And I'm like, this is powerful stuff. So that's what my day-to-day life is. My day-to-day life is people coming into my life some people I have regular ongoing weekly relationships with and some people I get to experience maybe two or three weeks of doing life with them and they come in and then they go away. I have workshops where people come into my home here for two and a half days and, and for two and a half days, they get a whole big, huge, gigantic dose of who Cliff Ravenscraft is, what my philosophy of life and faith is, and, they, and they're encouraged by it. And then they go, and then I may not see them again, or maybe only a couple times every few years here and there. That's what my life looks like. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. I love that. Um, Okay, so I want to ask one more question. I don't want to keep you if you if you've got to get going. Oh no, I'm good. Okay, Um, but I do want to ask about. Well, I guess maybe you just addressed it, but because I think what you're describing is the idea of. So you you found yourself in Christ. You found that definitively. And then that freed you up to love others through Christ and to, to go uh, into that. Hold on.
1: Yeah. No, there, there's a step in there that I want to point out. Are okay. Thank you ready for this. Yeah. I'm going to download this one to you guys. <laughs> okay. All right. I had to, I found my identity in Christ. And the most essential thing is that it freed me up to love me. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. See, I until september of 2011 i loathed myself you know why because i was my worst uh, my my own worst enemy i was always the one who was throwing up obstacles building brick walls between me and god yeah. me and my uncontrollable sin was the cause of all anxiety, pain, and suffering in my life. And when I realized that God wasn't holding any of that against me, that God, not, not only did he love me when I was seemingly doing the things he wanted me to do and avoiding the things, but when I learned that God had no less love for me when I willfully broke his commandments... That not only did he love me, but in the worst of the worst moments of my sin, he was thrilled with me. He loved me more than I could ever possibly imagine. It was only when I fully found my identity was secure in Christ, no matter what, that I finally discovered a true love for Cliff Ravenscraft. And it was only then that I could fulfill the second greatest commandment in the world. The first being, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second commandment is just like it. And that is to love others as you love yourself. And as. Everything else that God wants can all be summed up if you could just get your mind wrapped around those two commandments. Yeah, and that is what I live my life by.
0: Yeah, that's a great distinction and a great step. Um, It frustrates me to no end the way that sometimes um, Christians will talk about the idea of of themselves, right? That uh, that you know, I remember being in church and hearing somebody pray, "Oh, we don't know why you love us." God, you know, and went, wait a minute, that's not true. I, I know why he loves you. He loves you because he made you, right? He he loves you because you're made in his image.
1: And yeah. uh so it's not it's, it's kind of like God, I have no idea why I love my kids. They right. screw up all the time. Right. They're such they're such weirdos, they smell funny. Uh they they you know, they don't <laughs> change their they don't always wear socks and their their feet, man, when they take their shoes off as a teenager. <laughs> I have no idea why I put up with these kids. Right. I really don't. But I have to love them.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's not and, how I treat my kids. No, nobody does, but we expect that God treats us that way. And that just, it's not okay. And, and what
1: we, and, it's and damaging. What we're doing is we're saying we're better parents than God is. Right.
0: <laughs> right. I don't think that, yeah. Yeah. Why would we do that? Um, so I think that's true. And I love that message that, uh, you know, loving yourself, learning to love yourself because God loves
1: you really sets you free to love other people. And, and, and if you want to go a little bit deeper, it freed me to love myself first as a priority above loving others. <gasps> yeah, right, to take care of yourself. Yeah, and, and you, know what, you want to know somebody in the Bible who actually exemplified this for us? This guy, um, what was his name? He's a real popular dude in, Jesus, in, in the New Testament. He's mentioned a whole lot. I think his name starts with a J, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Jesus, I think. Oh, yeah, Jesus. So there's this guy named Jesus, and there was this one day where he and the apostles just, you know, just had this amazing full day of ministry, healing sick people and all this stuff. And I think that it was James and John's house. I you can go look it up. It was somebody's house that they went Peter, James, John. James and John, I think, is whose house they went to. Anyway... Somebody's mom was sick with a fever, and Jesus went up and had the fe- you know fever left. She got him and said, hey, what, let me take care of you. So they hung out at, at, this, at, at their mom's house that evening, and then word got out, and the entire town, the Bible says this, the entire town brought all of their sick and demon-possessed, uh, <laughs> easy for me to say, to the house, and Jesus healed them all, all right? Now think about this. So and then the story goes like this. The next morning early in the morning before it was light Jesus got up, left the house and went to a solitary place to take care of himself. To be alone, to pray, to be with his father and and then all of a sudden what happened is – now, we, we, we don't ha- – there's a little bit of the story that's missing. What we do know is that all of a sudden the d- disciples wake up and they're looking for Jesus. They can't find him anywhere, right? So they go out looking for him, and they said, maybe he's out there praying by himself. And so they finally find him, and they said, where have you been? Everyone is looking for you. So I'm going to just – if you don't mind, I'm going to just throw out some some things that I think might be happening. But word got out. And I think that maybe some of the surrounding towns heard that Jesus is at this house, oh, sure. and there's an entire line of people outside of that house, and this line of people waiting to be healed. Would you agree that that's a safe assumption? Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. so the the apostles wake up, and Jesus is nowhere to be found, and there's people at the door. And, and guess what Jesus said to them? Hey. You guys go back and get our stuff. I'll meet you in the next town because that's where I'm going next. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, like, we're moving on. The, 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 you guys have no clue who I am and what I'm here to do. Go get our stuff. I, I've got some other things I've got to do. I've got priorities here. I've got some new plans. And, and you, I've, there are plans that I have that you are not aware of. And yeah, I know that you're like, what, what's he doing? He's got all these people here that need to be healed. How does he do this? What are we going to tell these people? I mean, that's all not in the scripture, but I like, I like to kind of sit down oh, and yeah. think about it. But one thing I do know is he got up early in the morning and he's like, and you could I, I, I would imagine Jesus probably would understand that when he got up this morning, if he, didn't, if he didn't get up and leave and go and have some time alone, that he'd basically have to spend the entire day there doing the same thing, you know, all day long. And that's like, dude, I I need a break. I need to go do some other things. I got stuff to do. And you know, so Jesus yep. had no problem putting his own agenda first.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh he's probably he's a great example of what, what that's like. Yeah. So totally
1: love. Fun it. stuff, man. I, I love, love it. it.
0: Cliff, uh, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you being here, sharing your story. Friends, you can find uh, links to everything we mentioned. I'll put Cliff's website in there. I'll put uh, a link to Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers, which now I have a mandate to read. And uh, we'll, uh, you can find all that at halfwaytherepodcast.com.
1: Cliff, thanks a lot. Anything you want to leave us with? You know what? Here, I, will, I will leave you with this. I, I would encourage anyone hearing our voice and especially the men to read the book "Redeeming Love." It is it is so written for women, <laughs> uh, and and it is it is a women's fiction romance novel if, of all things. And and I will tell you, it's one of the most powerful, faith building pieces of literature I've ever read. "Redeeming Love" by Francine Rivers.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, what if. Reading a Christian romance novel can change the
1: way you understand God's understanding of you. Right? That's exactly what will happen. And I, and here's what I want you to understand: we are the prostitutes. Yeah. I, I, that's it. It, it will be easy for us as men to think and to put ourselves in the lives of this very. A uh, very righteous man who is following God's direction. It's like, yes, that's that's us. That's us putting up with... <laughs> no. We, my friends, we are the prostitutes.
0: All right. Awesome, friends. Go pick that up. Uh, again, there's a link at HalfwayTherePodcast.com. Cliff, thanks
1: for being here. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Hey, well,
0: friends, thank you so much for listening. Did you enjoy Cliff? I know I did. Cliff, you are awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. And friends, I'm so glad that you listened all the way here. If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, just do that. halfwaytherepodcast.com And then go to the support button at the very top in the menu. That will be your place to support the show if you have enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, friends, until next time, keep the faith.